history will be taught in public schools that the state's education commissioner says will, quote, set the norm for standards across the country. Critics, though, are calling it a step backward. The updated standards, which passed unanimous, unanimously on Wednesday, dictate that elementary school kids should be taught to recognize civil rights leaders like Rosa Parks and slaveholding founding fathers like Thomas Jefferson as individuals who represent the United States. That middle school students should learn that enslaved people, quote, develop skills that could be applied for their personal benefit, and that when high school students are taught about acts of mob violence against black communities, instructors must also note violence perpetrated, quote, by African Americans at the same time. Joining me now is Florida State Senator Shervin Sh uh, Chevron, excuse me, Jones. He was an educator at Broward County and has a PhD in educational leadership from Florida Atlantic University. He also serves on President Biden's Board of Advisors on Historically Black Colleges and Universities. Um, we can only get into a couple of the details that have been proposed or now voted on in this nearly 300-page um, curriculum to teach African-American studies. Is that, though, the flavor of this? I mean, are these just three weird examples, or is, is that the flavor of this entire document? Well, uh, first, thank you for having me, Katie. Uh, it is the flavor of the document, but I think we all saw that this was coming down the pipeline through the legislative session. In one breath, I want to, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that the state of Florida is justifying slavery in 2023, but I'm also not surprised because this is the same department that said that studying African-American history lacked educational value. Uh, the Florida Department of Education has set our state back years with the passage of this new education guidelines, which totally whitewashed uh, African-American history. And let me just start by acknowledging that slavery was not a benefit to the enslaved. And as a matter of fact, if we want to teach accurate African-American studies, don't start our history at slavery. Talk about the land we were taken from, the land where we were kings and queens and owned land. I was a teacher for nearly a decade. And I can tell you, teachers are not indoctrinating students. Teachers are teaching what the truth is, which we should be teaching children when they come into the classroom. That's not wokeism. That's called history and that's called facts. Education Commissioner Manny Diaz argues that the changes to this curriculum make it, quote, more robust. He says it allows teachers to teach the good, the bad, and the ugly of American history in an age-appropriate manner. Um, what does that mean, robust in an age-appropriate manner? I'm not sure what robust and age-appropriate uh, means, but I do know that teachers, when they go through standards training, when they go through their new teacher orientation or teacher orientation, um, they, they, are, they go through a series of how to teach these uh, different things. Uh, and teachers are already teaching, which is age-appropriate. We know not to go into a pre-K classroom and talk about certain things um, that would probably scare those students in that nature, uh, but yet and still being able to give them the opportunity for a diversity of thought. I can't speak to that, but what I can say is that yesterday they spent four hours talking about the whitewashing of African-American history and railroading against LGBTQ students, but they did not talk about the teacher shortage in Florida. They did not talk about the reading proficiency gap that we're dealing with in Florida. They did not address the further resources to help students recover from the COVID slide. This robust and all these words that, uh, that uh, the department is using is not helping solve the problem that we should be dealing with in the state of Florida when it comes to our education system. This was voted on unanimously. What do you think this is born from? Why make these changes? 
Well, these change. Well, first of all, let's be clear. It, it, it was voted on unanimously by individuals who were all appointed by Governor DeSantis. All of them are carrying his water to do what he said and he set out to do for quite some time. Um, he, they, they are going along on this uh, this national um, a parade of, of trying to end wokeism. The governor can't define what woke, wokeism is. No one can define what wokeism is, but I can tell you who can define it. Black people can define what wokeism is. I don't know what direction they're trying to go in, but I do believe one thing, that people know the truth. Young people know the truth, and they're not going to be able to hide it because it is readily available to them. And whether they teach it or not, true history will be taught. Florida State Senator Chevron Jones, thank you very much, sir, for joining us. I appreciate it. If it comes, she will go around running through the whole town talking to him once again. He looked a little profound, trying not to slow down, coaching her like every day. He'd give her that sweet talking, always laughing all the time. He'd give her that smooth smirking, and he's working Give me all your soul, oh, oh, oh. give me all your dreams, give me all your weak thoughts, the things that you do to me, and I sing it. Give me that so far a little bit, give me that don't love a little bit, give me that it's sacred hush, I must, yes, I do need. All right. Hi, ho neighbors. It is uh, July 21st, 2023, 4.04 in the a.m. I have a shift to get to. I find this interesting. Maybe you find it interesting as well. Article up by Miranda Nazaro for The Hill. Amazon rolling out pay with palm technology at Whole Foods stores. That's pretty cool. That's that's. Is that based? It's based, right? Now, Amazon announced Thursday it is rolling out its pay-by-palm services at Whole Foods market stores across the country, making it possible for customers to use their palm for purchases without a wallet or phone. The palm recognition service called Amazon uh, One will be available for payment and Prime membership benefits in all Whole Foods market locations by the end of this here year, 2023. Instead of traditional payment methods, Amazon One allows customers to hover their palm over an Amazon One device. Customers who uh, link their Prime membership with their uh, Amazon One profile will also automatically receive savings once their palm is registered. Fingerprints. Launched in 2021, Amazon said the technology uses the information embedded in your palm to create a unique palm signature that it can reach each and every time you use it. Technology experts have expressed concerns in the past over Amazon's collection of such data. Amazon said customers' information is not stored on an Amazon One device and, quote, is protected at all times, both at rest and in transit, end quote. 
adding it treats palm signatures like other highly sensitive personal data. Whole Foods is among 400 locations using Amazon One technology. Others include Panera Bread, Coors Field in Colorado, airport travel retailers, and sports and entertainment venues. Amazon purchased Whole Foods in a $13.7 billion in a $13.7 billion deal in 2017. Your secrets are safe with the capitalist. The news is a shit show these days, and we're here to give you a break from the white supremacist media bullshit by bringing you the shitty news so that you can feel less like shit because you know the people discussing all the fucked up shit give a shit about you and the shitty situations you deal with every day. So shit, pour yourself a glass and settle in for Father Teresa's Wine Cellar. Raised over how black history will be taught in Florida schools. The Florida Board of Education approved the new controversial set of standards despite objections. Wait News reporter Claire Galt joins us in the studio. Claire, what do people say are the biggest issues? Lois, moms and teachers I spoke with today feel that the new standards sugarcoat slavery. They said, yes, slavery is horrific. It is gruesome and it is hard to hear, but it happened here in this country. And you can't ignore that. Andrea Berg told me when she sends her son to school, she wants him to learn the truth about history. Not some truth, the whole truth. Can't give half the information and expect people to think they're educated on something. I want Mason to learn everything. This week, the Florida Board of Education approved new standards for how African-American history will be taught in public schools. Berg and other moms I met worry these standards do not improve the curriculum because African-American history starts in Africa, not America. Really, if you're going to teach African-American history, you need to include ancient Africa. The truth is the truth. What happened is the truth. My children are multiracial. They have the right to know the truth about their history. Um, There's also really problematic language in some of the standards. For instance, um, there is language that suggests that there were skills that um, African-Americans gained from their enslavement. Mom and former teacher Annie O'Donnell is talking about part of the middle school standards that require instruction to include, quote, how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. No, there's no justification for owning human beings, period. And I don't understand why the state would um, need to say anything other than that. FGCU professor of education Jennifer Chagru said these moms are right to speak up. It concerns me that, and I hope it concerns Florida residents, particularly those with school-aged children, that teachers are being asked to misrepresent our history. Florida Department of Education sent me a statement saying every standard was developed by a work group formed to ensure the new standards provide students comprehensive instruction on African-American history. And they proudly stand behind them. Lois, Chris. Uh, We're headed on over here to the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. We've been here before. Article up by Victoria Key Lee, K-E space L-I. The Canadian wildfires this summer exposed people to secondhand smoke at levels not seen since smoking was banned indoors 
in 2006. So that would mean specifically local to Philadelphia band in 2006. I was in Washington State and I I remember it being 2002 or 3. Um, this is according to preliminary findings from Rutgers University researchers. Nerds. Since the worst of the pollution from June 6th to uh, 8th, Philadelphia and other East Coast cities have continued to experience periodic dips in air quality. Parts of Philadelphia were under a code orange alert at least two days this week, again due to wildfire smoke. A code orange alert indicates that the air outside may be unhealthy for the elderly children and those with pre-existing health conditions. The researchers in the ongoing study sought to understand the fire's impact on air quality in the Northeast United States and give insight on how this air pollution could affect people's health as such fires became more common with climate change. This is according to a statement this past Tuesday. The wildfires in Canada gave us a sobering demonstration of the climate change impacts on air quality. Uh, this is uh, coming from Memo Codinho uh, Laurent. That's their name, Memo Codinho Laurent. Uh, they're an assistant professor at Rutgers School of Public Health who is working on the study, said in the statement. They continue. The average levels of pollution measured in New Jersey and New York on the afternoon of June 7th reached nearly 10 times the maximum level that federal standards say is safe for people to consume over 24 hours. New York City was the world's most polluted city that day. Researchers found that this was similar to the level of secondhand smoke in bars before the passing of the 2006 New Jersey law. Okay, speaking specifically to New Jersey, I uh, thought earlier up upstream in the article, uh, Philadelphia. <clears throat> Pennsylvania, ah, here we go. Pennsylvania passed a similar law in 2008 following nationwide recognition that secondhand smoke causes lung cancer, heart disease, and other conditions. Philadelphia residents began feeling the consequences soon after the smoke arrived, uh, with people experiencing discomfort, reporting a smoky odor, and contending with the uh, cancellation or postponement of outdoor events due to the poor air quality. Emergency room visits did not surge as feared, but experts are still concerned about longer-term effects. And by researchers, they mean nerds. And by nerds, they mean people of whom none of their thoughts, none of their research, none of their findings will be taken into consideration with any legislation that is passed, whether they be by Congress, Senate, signed off by a chief executive of some sort, whether uh, some sort of executive in a off-circular office were to, uh, you know, kind of just make it an executive order. No. 
these little nerdy findings will not be a part of such decision making, even if this legislation comes down from what I call the forever Congress, the Supreme Court. These nerds will not be cited when ideas for public policy are signed off on and enacted. In the next several months, we're back to the Philadelphia Inquirer here. In the next several months, the researchers said they will look more closely at chemicals that made up the smoke to study how exactly they can make people sick. That'll be fun to learn. As well as how they can contribute to climate change. The particles from the wildfire smoke can cool and warm the atmosphere, similar to the effects of greenhouse gases such as carbon dioxide. The number of wildfires is increasing across North McMurica. This year's wildfires marked a significantly earlier start to Canada's fire season. (laughs) The problems compound upon themselves. But as long as billionaires have yacht money, it's okay. This year's fires have burned more than 2 million acres to date. By to date, they mean today, July 21st, 2023. There's still more summer to go, more fall season, more fire. Uh, So the 2 million acres to date, an area of land equivalent to the size of Kentucky, and double the average burned in previous years. Double the average burned in previous years. That's the average burned in previous years twice to date this year. On days with uh, poor air quality, experts recommend staying indoors when possible and wearing an appropriate mask. One that can filter out these small particles and wildfire smoke, like an N95. Buying an air purifier can also help. Buy more things, particularly something that you can plug in that will use electricity that may be powered by burning coal. Right? And again, you gotta get, hey, Phoenix Kaleeder wants a. Uh, uh, me to do some overtime hours and do some overtime hours and get Phoenix Kalita an air pair of pu- uh, purifier because it will help Phoenix Kalita and it'll help other folks but then it just but we have to use the problem to micro solve we have to use the macro problem to solve our individual micro problems it's it's a pretty cool system <clears throat> Buying an air purifier can also help, as well as inspecting home air filtration systems for those at greater risk. This article was published yesterday, July 20th, for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you, Victoria Key Lee. 2023 has been declared the worst year ever for wildfires in Canada, and there's still six months to go. According to the Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Centre, more than 76,000 square kilometres of land has burned since January the 1st. 
That exceeds the previous record set in 1989 of more than 75,000 square kilometers. Just under 3,000 fires have been recorded this year, averaging about 26 square kilometers in size. Marika Derus is a communications officer at the Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Centre and she joins me now. Good morning. Thank you for being with us. Good morning, Marcia. Thanks for having me. So given the early start to the fire season, I don't think it's going to come as a big surprise to Canadians that this is the worst fire season we have seen. What are the factors behind that? Absolutely. So our fire season started very early this year on May 11th, uh, which is a very early start uh, given our very dry and hot um, season throughout the country. So since that time, we've been at a national preparedness level of five. And this means that wildland fire activity is significant in one or more jurisdictions. Firefighting, firefighters and equipment have been uh, deployed in every jurisdiction uh, and uh, international help has been requested. Yeah, it's really been an international effort to put the fire, fire, fires out rather in Canada. Um, have we learned a lesson? Is there a takeaway at this point in the year that we need more resources? What are your thoughts? Uh, well, that's an important touch, uh, important factor to touch upon. Uh, so as you mentioned, we haven't seen a year with this much fire uh, since 1989. That year, uh, the 7.3 million hectares that were burnt took place over the span of more than 12,000 fires. This year, however, the amount of fire that has been burnt uh, has been over an area just shy of 3,000 fires. So this tells us that the fires that are burning are significantly bigger and burning more intensely. And this is really consistent with the area, with the trend over the past 40, 40 years since CIFSI, our organization, has existed and been collecting data. At the time that we are having this conversation, there are 490 fires, almost 500 buyer, fires burning in Canada, and about half of them, 255, are considered out of control. What can you tell us about the current fight to combat these fires? Uh, well, certainly resources are, are stretched, uh, but it's important to note that we're not in a crisis situation when it comes to uh, resources because of our fortunate position with our international partners that we have been absolutely overwhelmed with gratitude that we've received from uh, our bilateral partnerships with Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, US, Mexico and Costa Rica. They have all uh, come up to bat for us. Uh, and because, of course, we've we have an unprecedented year, we've pr- pursued help outside of that framework and received help from uh, Chile, uh, members of the EU, including France, Portugal and Spain to assist with our fire situation. And final question for you this morning, Marika, Um, we're all feeling the fires this year because of the poor air quality. What more can we be doing um, to protect ourselves and to prevent fires from starting in the first place? A lot of the fires were started by human activity. That's a great question. Uh, So in the past, a common strategy for many agencies fighting wildfires has been to suppress the fire, to put it out. Uh, what we understand now is that leaves an incredible amount of fuel on our landscape. So when fire starts, it's prone to ignite a much larger area. Um, but it's important to understand that wildfires are a natural event and they play a very important role in the cycle of regeneration and regrowth in our forests and grasslands. So in some cases, they can't simply be effectively suppressed by people or equipment or airplanes. 
So the strategy really is shifting from suppressing the fire to protecting assets like homes and communities and camps. That being said, there are lots of things we can do to protect our, our homes and communities. Um, an arm of CIFSI is Fire Smart Canada, and uh, it's uh, prevention and mitigation focused. And we uh, provide and empower residents with the tools to understand how they can best um, renovate their homes or even take simple actions uh, in their yards to uh, be more re um, resistant in the face of wildfire. Marika DeRuz is the communications officer at the Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Centre. Thank you for making the time for us. All right, so as I go uh, taking a look at news related to things that I think matter, Republicans, climate change, a trillion trees. Well, you see, for folks like Cenk Unger and whatnot, like this is a news, a news story. Uh, for Wine Cellar Media, we're going to go ahead and revisit a story from 2020. All right, so uh, the Trillion Trees Act, sponsored by Representative Bruce Westerman, Westerman, proposes uh, planting one trillion trees by 2050 as a way to curb climate change. The Arkansas Republican was joined by uh, House Minority Leader representing Kevin McCarthy 
and a host of other GOP lawmakers for the rollout. So, as opposed to um, going to any new headlines on this, we go back to 2020, and we go ahead and check out a little bit of audio published by the folks over there at Roll Call. That going there. This is a pine tree. It is a pine tree seedling. And I've got more right over here. It is very important that we address the situation that exists right now with climate change. And there's no better way to do that than in using natural resources such as our trees. You see, don't stop. You got to keep using unnatural resources such as digging up liquefied dinosaur bones and burning that shit. You know, or digging up, um, I do not, I'm not nerdy enough to know how coal happens. I know how diamonds come from coal. But digging that shit out or blasting it out the side of mountains. Have folks ever heard of mountaintop removal mining? It's very bad. Uh, there are folks down there in, um, that live under mountaintop removal mining, like in West Virginia, that then had to have their gallbladders removed because they breathe in and all that daggum coal dust, man. It ain't good. It's bad. Uh, but you see, you tramp this here pine tree seedling, you're going to curb that climate, boy. You're going to curb it good. Arkansas. Come on, Bruce Westerman. Keep going. Come around, come around. Mm-hmm. Today we want to talk about our Trillion Trees Act. Okay. We know what trees will do. It's like it's like our own lungs cleaning the environment. This is uh, Kevin McCarthy speaking right now, representing out of California, House Minority Leader at the time. And what can we do for our own environment? This is a way to make us healthier. You know, with a trillion trees, that is equal to two-thirds of all the man-made carbon since the Industrial Revolution till today. And this bill... Yeah. You see? And if we plant a trillion trees over three decades somehow in this very serious proposal, are we going to offset over a daggone century of what the combustible engine has done did? Until today. And this bill looks at a lot more than just planting trees. It looks at making our existing forest healthy and resilient and we also want to be able to do sustainable buildings as we see a growing population on the earth and we see more housing needed uh, we can use these wood products in houses and we can wait so <laughs> wait a second all right so ah you're going to plant trees while cutting down trees to make more houses because more breeding Houses of which, I'm wondering, are they going to use electricity? How will that electricity uh, be produced, stored, distributed? Will they use plumbing? That plumbing um, will probably have water coming into the house from a water facility. How's that water facility run? So let's... um. Let's make more buildings. So when you're making more buildings, will trucks be used to transport soil, supplies, metal, wood, components, and whatnot for uh, building modern houses? 
Well, those trucks driving around, will they, um, will they have emissions? They're going to have emissions, ain't they? I'm not sure. I ain't be got no education. Store that carbon for as long as that uh, building and structure is there. We've got Democrats, we've got Republicans. I'm the first Republican that stepped out on this. I'm going to get others and Democrats. This okay. He's the first Republican to step down on this Trillion Trees Act, and he gonna get he gonna get Democrats down with him too. Big lipped white man. All right, that's, that's racist, right? I'm reverse racist. It's bad. Should be the simplest thing that we can do for Mother Earth. I'm proud that this is another example of how being a conservative goes along with being a conservationist. They're almost spelled the same way. They're almost spelled the same way. These people are deeply and profoundly unserious. They're almost spelled the same way. 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 We need to put the action behind it to where we not only start with a trillion trees, we tackle many other ways to clean our air up, and treat Mother Earth the way she needs to be treated. This common sense bill does... All right, now this is uh, representing Clay Higgins uh, speaking out of Louisiana. And I think uh, I made an error there. Um, and also pre the the, uh, the spell the same guy as uh, Mike Braun representing out of Indiana. All right. All right, let's get to Clay Higgins. Come on, come on, Higman sense bill does not injure private industry nor does it restrict personal freedoms this is the kind of common sense initiative that this town can produce when we work together and consider the simplest most efficient solution to a, a challenge that we all face all right clearly they mean business they're not just goofing around and wasting time. And, and I mean, I'm pulled. This is from the folks at Roll Call published this video on the YouTubes. Eh, 260 views, zero comments. Very serious. Big bill. Republicans back at it. And thank goodness we have the um, center-right network, uh, the Young Turks, handling this now and making folks aware of it. I'll catch you around. I have to get to a shift. As it is now, 4.57 a.m., I must mix down this episode, upload it, and uh, get on the move. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? (laughs) 
Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.